Intentional walk for Schwarber. They get to Davis. And with a pitcher spot now on deck, Alan Webster is up in the bullpen. Remember, the bullpen wasn't used on Friday, and Cubs were off on Thursday. Davis in the air, deep left. It is gone. That's a grand slam. The time. All right, hello and welcome to episode number five of the Framing the Conversation podcast. I'm Fangraphs writer Devin Fink alongside MLB Stats Guru and published author Jeremy Frank. And joining us today is Bailey from the extremely popular baseball YouTube channel, Foolish Baseball. It's great to have you on, Bailey. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. And so there's there's been a lot to talk about since the last episode, which I unfortunately was not part of, but a lot of baseball stories have broken, and none more pressing or more relevant than the Twins signing Josh Donaldson. Oh, wait, I'm kidding. Of course, the Astros sign-stealing. How could I forget that? And um, so, yes, so on Monday, Major League Baseball announced one-year suspensions for Astros GM Jeff Luno. And Astros manager AJ Hinch. They have yet to announce a suspension for former Astros bench coach and now former Red Sox manager Alex Cora, but we expect some to uh, we expect something to come soon in that regard. And um, later that day, uh, Astros owner Jim Crane fired both his GM and his manager. Um, they were also fined five million dollars, which is the maximum penalty. Um, allowed by the CBA, and they are going to lose, I believe, their first and second round picks in 2020 and 2021. Did I miss anything, guys? I think you got it. Yeah, I think that's what it was. So I think the first question that, you know, circulated around Twitter, and I'll ask Bailey first. Sorry, Jeremy. Is this fair in your eyes? Yeah, I think it's fair, and I think the best measure of its fairness is that you see kind of half the crowd saying they got it pretty harsh and then half the crowd saying they didn't get it nearly harsh enough. They kind of found that middle point. Um, If there's any sort of criticism, I think it would maybe be that, and this is just a, this is just an MLB thing is that the maximum fine is $5 million and you would maybe want to punish them even more from a financial incentive, but removing the draft picks represents more than $5 million of future value to begin with. So I understand it. Um, And then the other Part is that players weren't punished. I think people maybe felt like, uh, you know, some players deserved individual punishments for their role in it. But at the same time, I don't think this investigation happens without cooperation from players. So uh, the MLB was in kind of a tough spot with that one. So in the end, you kind of have Hinch and Lou now taking the fall for the whole team and eventually Alex Cora. But yeah, I think it's it's a fair punishment. And I hope it's one that uh, disincentivizes teams from doing this in the future. Jeremy, what about you? Yeah, I kind of agree with Bailey. I think the one thing, like you said, was the uh, the five million dollar fine. I did see. I uh, forgive me for forgetting who actually tweeted this, but someone said that the rule was that you can only be fined five million dollars per offense. So MLB probably could have. They actually could have. I'm not. I'm not a legal expert, but they probably could have gotten away with finding them five million dollars per time they actually stole signs, which they could have. Probably more than once, which it definitely was. It says in the report, but they could have 
I don't know if they actually would have done that because they would have like I don't know, it would have been very confusing to like count they how many times probably, they, they would have probably been sued. The league would have probably been sued. Yeah, I don't know how that would have turned out. I think um, the draft picks definitely were worth more. I mean, the first round draft pick is worth certainly more than $5 million. They didn't take away any uh, international money, which I was kind of surprised about. I thought that mm-hmm. that's usually like the go-to punishment for teams for any of us is like, oh, you can't sign. Like you have you lose a couple million dollars on the international international money. But I think Bailey was right that um, you really can't punish any of the players. Um, it wouldn't have really, It wouldn't have really worked doing that. But the one thing people were calling for was to take away their World Series win, which I just don't understand how that would really work logistics-wise. I mean, yes, you can, like, say that the Astros have had their World Series trip, but would anyone really care? I don't think – I think the real punishment for the Astros is, like, in the court of public opinion and that everyone knows that they did. And taking away the World Series done anything more than what they've done now, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, you know, when when we talk about – this punishment, the thing that always gives me a little bit of pause is that it really has a minimal impact on the state of the 2020 Astros. Do you really think that they're not going to win the AL West? I mean, it's hard to quantify exactly how much the sign stealing may or may not have helped their numbers. But from a pure talent perspective, this is probably still the best team in that division. They're probably still going to make a playoff run. And for all we know, they might still win the World Series. And, and that, I, I don't know. You, I will guarantee you if they don't, then this will be a lot bigger in a year than it was now. People will be saying that, like, sign stealing was the reason that they made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that'll be, right. like, it'll be, that'll, I think it'll really, like, take away anything that, like, I think people are saying now, like, we have no idea how much the sign stealing actually helped them win the World Series. They could have right. won the World Series without sign stealing. But if they don't make the playoffs next year, if they have some struggles, you know people are – that World Series is going to be completely invalidated. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if they get bounced by, like, the Yankees in the playoffs or something like that, like in a division series? Like the I could totally see the A's um, the A's winning, them, winning the division this year. I mean, I don't think the Astros – they just lost Garrett Cole. And they were only – I mean, I don't know actually how many games they were ahead. But it wasn't actually as big of a gap as many think it was. Ten. And the A's aren't – it was 10 games, yeah. So you're losing Garrett Cole, which is probably a five or six win loss. Mm-hmm. So what so is, it, is the difference five games now? It, that's is that the signs dealing? <laughs> right. That's definitely at least able to be overcame by the A's. And now the, the Angels are better, which could take some wins away from the Astros, probably also away from the A's, though. So that I don't know. Right. But, but I guess like my problem is, is like there's still a non-zero chance, a very decent chance that this team goes on and wins the World Series in, in 2020 anyway. I wouldn't say they're the favorites. I mean, you know, the Yankees are obviously probably the most formidable team. I'm pretty sure their over-under is like 101 wins right now, which is kind of insane. But still, I mean, this is a formidable roster, and yeah, they're going to have a managerial change. Um, but I, I really – that's the, the one thing that has just like made me a little frustrated with the punishment is that it really has no present impact on the team, on their roster and on, you know, how many games they're going to win this year. But on the flip side, you know, I agree with you guys. It would have been very hard to punish individual players because you don't really know. It's a, you know, it's a who did what and how much did this help who? And, you know, you did need the players to sort of come forward in the investigation. And so by giving them the promise that we're not going to suspend them, you know, I think that allowed for them to get a clearer picture. So it's a very tough, tough, um, issue for Major League Baseball to have to, you know, deal with. Um, 
but I that's the one thing that I think gives me a little bit of pause. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. You know, and and yeah, you know, this, in, was, in, this was definitely like the biggest deal, the biggest thing that's happened in baseball, or at least the biggest scandal since the steroid era, perhaps even longer if it is mm-hmm. as widespread as like Logan Morrison wants us to believe it is. But this right. is a big deal. Right. It's not going to go away with the Astros and even the Red Sox if they are punished. Um, it's not going to go away now that they were punished. Teams are still going to continue right. to try and gain a leg up legally or illegally. And I don't think this is going to go away. So I guess I I can ask both of you guys. Bailey, I'll ask you first. Do you think this is something that is just limited to the Astros and then obviously the Alex Cora-led Red Sox? Or do you think this is – you know, it's impossible for any of us to know, but if you had to guess, would you say that it's probably something that's more widespread than that? Oh, I think it's definitely more widespread than that. I mean, I think part of this punishment for the Astros is they took it to an extent that maybe other teams hadn't done before. They were a little more blatant with it. You can hear the trash can banging on broadcasts, so that's no bueno. But, I mean, if you look at what the Red Sox did under Alex Cora, where... Yes, they had a cheating system, but it was more designed for, you know, getting the signs ready for if a runner gets on second base and they're using the replay room for that. I bet a ton of teams are doing that. The Astros themselves, um, in one of the athletic articles I saw, cited uh, eight other teams, one of which is the Red Sox, uh, as teams that uh, they felt were doing electronic sign stealing around 2017-18. So, no, I don't think this is the end of it, but... I do also think it's possible that what the Astros were doing was exceptional and just the extent of how they did it. And I think it's just up to MLB to decide, um, you know, how they want to, how nuanced they want to be in terms of punishing these offenses, I guess would be how to say it. Right. And, and I guess the, the one question of like, you know, this is, this scandal is, is going to be, have lead wide and league wide impacts, but I'm very curious to see what the Mets next steps are they weren't implicated in any of this as far as we know, but they just hired Carlos Beltran, the only player to actually have been named in major league baseball's report um, as part of the sign stealing investigation. What should the Mets do with, with Beltran? I think they're, I, you know, I actually think they're good to, um, to stick with him. Uh, I, I've heard some reports and I don't know how legit they are that they might be waffling on the idea of it, but I mean, this is their guy that they hired, and I understand that, like, Beltran's, um, you know, tainted to some extent because he was a player and is now a manager as opposed to someone who is just a player. But I don't, you know, you don't see anyone saying, hey, the Mets should get rid of uh, J.D. Davis or Jake Marisnik, and they were part of that team, too, as players. So um, I would say they should probably just stick with Beltran. I think Beltran's going to be a pretty solid manager for them. Um, but I understand that it's really bad timing. They hired him, and a week later, he was embroiled in the biggest scandal of the decade. So yeah, I understand yeah. both sides. Hey, Jeremy, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree. Considering if he was a manager or like a coach for the Astros, it would have been mm-hmm. a different story. And I, I think a lot of people do think that he was almost like a player coach for that team. Like he was like the, the David Roth role model of the team. But he also was not a coach of the team. So I, I think that it's... Like, it, it doesn't really matter what he did as a player. Like, if Barry Bonds was hired as a, a manager for a team, I don't think it would have – it would be the same thing as with Beltran. Like, it was in the past. He did it as a player. So, I right. think it's kind of the same thing. I think the question I have, which definitely matters a lot less than the actual punishments and stuff and people getting fired, is 
what effect does this have on uh, players' Hall of Fame cases? Does Carlos Beltran, uh, is he, uh, is his Hall of Fame case going to be hurt by him cheating as like a 39-year-old? What about Jose Altuve, whose best season came in 2017, the year that right. the Astros right. were specifically cheating, like outlined in the report? He won his only MVP that year. A lot of people believe that Judge should have won it. I think that Judge should have won it even before the scandal uh, was uncovered. But does this hurt guys like Altuve in Beltran's Hall of Fame cases? Maybe. But the one thing you, the one thing that I find funny on the whole like Judge Altuve thing is did you see that uh, Aaron Judge deleted his Instagram post yeah. from like three years ago congratulating yeah. Altuve on winning the MVP? I'm in, <laughs> like, the, the player's reaction has that. been so like, funny. Who is, just, who is just refreshing Aaron Judge's Instagram page seeing if he deletes this one specific post, and then he happened to delete it too. Like, what are the odds? It's then? the it's the internet, man. It's the internet. People are always someone looking for things on, like someone this. Someone is just on Aaron Judge's Instagram page refreshing to see if he'll delete this post, and then he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, it's an interesting point about the Hall of Fame case. And I guess, like, getting back to real quick on the managerial situation for Beltron, I kind of agree with you guys, but I guess what we don't know is, like, you know, when the Mets hired Beltron, you know, this may have come up in his interview process. And, you know, if you lie in a job interview and then ultimately get the job and then it comes out that you lied in the interview. Um, what you was know. he supposed to say? What was he supposed to admit mm-hmm. in private to the Mets ownership that he did cheat as an actor? It's like, don't tell but him. I do think though. that is grounds to fire him. I mean, I, yeah, I could see that. I mean, like but, if they specifically asked yeah. him in the interview, like, you know, what do you because I mean, didn't they hire him? I mean, this came out right during the World Series. The, the uh, sign stealing. The, I, when was the first initial report? The athletic article was published like maybe two weeks after okay. Game Seven. Okay, um, and I'd imagine that was probably before um, the. Uh, hold on, I'm just like looking for this. Yeah. I I'd imagine that was probably before when they hired Beltran. Yeah, I, think, I, I see the yeah. earliest date I see on here is um, of this year, um, November 12th, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they hired Beltran certainly after that. Um, they hired Beltran. Oh, they hired him on November 1st. So, right, so yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a chance that, you know, they had no idea that yeah. he, that he was going to become implicated in this. I guess I didn't have the timing correct in my head so yeah who knows i think it'll be interesting well the thing is Devin, like there's still before this story broke there were still all these whispers about what the astros were and weren't doing so i'm sure right they they asked him particularly what his role was with the astros and what kind of you know tricks they were up to <laughs> how honest he was i don't know but i'm sure that um you know all sorts of activities with the astros were brought up in his interview yeah yeah and then also um, an interesting, so a couple other interesting like pieces of fallout from this. Um, one, uh, I saw a tweet, I think it was from Mike Sutton, about Mike Fires his impact on the league, mm-hmm. um, which has just been quite fascinating um, since he's thrown, since he's like a generally mediocre pitcher, but he's thrown two no hitters. Um, he was the whistleblower on this whole sign stealing um, issue. Um, you know, and, uh, what else? He, he was, I'm trying to pull up the tweet yeah. here. Um, he's just had a very large impact on the yeah. game outside of, 
<laughs> what you'd expect. Yes. He's he's directly or indirectly responsible for protective face flaps on helmets, the Astros scandal, <laughs> Josh Hader's entire Brewers career because he was traded um, for Josh Hader. Uh, he's responsible for an immaculate inning and two no hitters. <laughs> I, I have yeah. Here's so here's a quick rundown on fires. He's also crossed over into uh, generic mainstream sports memes with that facial hair that he sported for a little bit. All uh, right. But another really interesting thing about fires, and I wondered this. I this is something that I was aware of, but I only started thinking about it again when I saw that tweet from uh, Mike Sutton. Is that Mike Fires was in 2017 for the Astros? He was in the regular season. He had the most innings pitched. And then he didn't make the playoff roster. And I just can't help but wonder if all of this uh, wouldn't have come out if he had just made the playoff roster. Because it's clear that he has, I mean, part, part of it's pitching for the A's. But it's clear that he does have, like, a vendetta against that organization. And that's why he was willing to go on the record like he did. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, that one that I didn't really consider. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing about Mike Fires, he has 69 career wins and a career Sierra of 420. So nice, nice, yes, nice. Um, but yeah, so that's um, that's all really interesting. I I I think it's very fascinating that you know he decided to go on the record and, and do this. Um, but I mean, at the same time, if this was happening, you you have to figure that you know if so many people are in the know about Mm -hmm. something odds are that secret is going to get out one way or another and it just so happened it was mike fires it could have been anyone really the thing i would point to that would suggest that more teams are involved in sign stealing than people believe is the fact that this didn't come out earlier i think Mm -hmm. that if if players i guess if if as many players that are like active on other teams knew about this and didn't say anything about this beforehand, odds are they were probably involved in it too and didn't want to get in trouble. So they didn't tell on the Astros for doing it. They didn't want this investigation right. to blow up to their team because then they'd get in trouble for it too. It's, and it, of course there's an American I, I league pitcher. Information that, right, I don't have any insider information, but at the same time, I think it could be one of those things that people just want to keep quiet and hope that no one would right. find out or else everyone would get in trouble for it. Right. And, and of course, right. It's an American league pitcher that, you know, decides to announce this on the record <laughs> because, you know, one, he never has to hit and do, you know, he's, he's a pitcher. So, you know, if he did hit really, I don't know how much sign stealing would have really helped. Right. And they but, but that's interesting. Out. Right. Um, but that's all really, really interesting. And I guess like the last piece of fallout, I, I know we've been talking about this for a long, long time, but, it's probably worthy of these minutes is the fallout on Twitter. I mean, baseball Twitter like is not usually that crazy. People are are pretty tame except for Mets fans. They're pretty tame. Um, But it was wild. It was wild on Monday. I've never seen baseball Twitter as like hostile as it was in the 24 hours following this thing being dropped. I mean, Fan base, like, I don't follow that many, like, just regular, like, fans on, like, most of the people I follow are, like, writers or, like, people that, like, work in baseball. Yeah, or but YouTubers. The fans that I, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the fans that I do follow on Twitter, like, and you, like, look into the replies on their tweets, even, like, the writers' tweets are just Astros fans and Yankees fans and Red Sox fans all arguing about who's more guilty than <laughs> who and, like, 
And Dodgers fans being like, you know, it's our title. Right. I've never. And like Kershaw's playoff legacy. Complaining. I've seen Yankees fans complaining more than Dodgers fans have. Because it's the Red Sox, and because you know the Astros eliminated the Yankees. I think the Yankees twice. Right. They're currently not the most hated fan Mm -hmm. base in baseball right now, or the most hated team. I think the Astros, (laughs) at least in the near future, are probably a more hated team than than the Yankees are. I mean, yeah, it's. I, I don't. I don't know. It wasn't you're just, just like, like one generic player, baseball like a thing. Wide scheme that won yeah. the World Series. Yeah, if you're if you're just a generic baseball fan, I mean, I just don't. I don't know how you can, you know, not I mean, the just Astros like were the, very, Astros. the Astros were a pretty likable team. Like I watched. I mean, they're fun. To, they're fun to watch. Their lineup is just bat after bat after bat, and like maybe not yeah, anymore. Good amount of their games. <laughs> but now, like, I really couldn't care less. I mean, I don't it, really root against many teams, but it's hard not to root against them. All right, I mean, they cheated. They deserve, the you know, they should be. Cheated to win a World Series. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that should upset baseball. Yeah. But in, like, a, a kind of screwed up way, like, the existence of the Astros as the heel or the villain of the league is, I think, good for it in a way. I think it gives us a team to hate on that's not the Yankees, you know, for 27 rings or whatever. It gives us a reason to hate them now. And, yeah, the uh, Yankees are a very likable team. Like besides the fact that the Yankees, like their players are really sure. fun to watch and they're like really yeah. funny to follow and stuff. Uh, like that. Yeah, the Astros on yeah. the other hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have a reason I, I, to dislike the Astros. I mean, the re- the only reason people dislike the Yankees fans are because they're the same exact franchise that was good twenty years ago. It has right. nothing to do with Aaron Judge being like a a mean person or something. Like Aaron Judge right. is a very nice guy from all accounts. Maybe we just hate him because he wears uh, pinstripes. Right. I don't hate him. Um, He's on my World League team. But. My favorite my favorite tweet by far from, from Monday was Trevor Bauer. You know, sometimes <laughs> oh you know how you know, you know, sometimes when people you don't necessarily like or agree with say or tweet something that's just so on point. That was that. That was the that was the good point. <laughs> <laughs> like that was the that was the that was emotional so experience that I had when I saw that tweet. That tweet was so. I was funny. on Facetime with you when the, when he tweeted it, and that you're like, like, look what Trevor Bauer just tweeted. I'm like, okay, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, Bill, did you that see it? So funny. Uh, is it the uh, the Phil Collins? Yeah. And I, yes, that was very good. <laughs> it almost makes me sad that Trevor Bauer is such an outlier in his outspokenness because. He tweeted that, and yet I'm sure there's hundreds of players who faced the Astros at one point or another who felt that way, that wished they could have said something like that or wished they could have made something like that. So, like, I just feel like if that sort of story broke in the NBA about the Warriors for some reason, like, every single, like, funny NBA player would be, like, all over it with, like, a great joke. So I'm sad that it's just Trevor Bauer that, that that's that guy, you know? But, yeah, uh, yeah it was a really great tweet. Mike Miner uh, tweeted something about because he was embroiled in like a little bit of a a kerfuffle, you could say, when um, when oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was on the Rangers last year, and I think it was the catcher dropped the foul pop the foul against the Red Sox so that he could get his two hundred strikeout, which I think triggered a bonus for him, right? Yeah, and Cora was not happy about it, um, even though it gave his team another chance to get a hit. Um, yeah, so, you know, he, he got 200 strikeouts and, um, 
Alex Cora said, you know, at least our, our guys play the right way or something along those lines. And um, actually, I don't even know if it was a financial incentive. I'm, and I might be wrong on that. I, I opened up an article and it doesn't include that. Uh, it may have just been to, to hit 200 just for the sake of hitting 200, which I don't blame him. I'll always and, remember Mike Miner for his 200 strikeout season in 2019. Thank God. Oh, yeah. he got that. I will, if, he had all, if he only had 199, I would like in 10 years. Yeah. Like, it was Mike Miner. Yeah, but now we actually get two hundred strikeout, Mike Miner. Yeah, yeah, it was a um, big deal. But, but Mike Miner tweeted yesterday. So, so after, so after it happened on September twenty sixth, um, a Red Sox writer for the Boston Globe, P. Abraham, tweeted: Mike Miner's two hundred strikeout should have a big asterisk. That was Bush chasing a milestone that way is unprofessional. He responded to Pete the following: Ask me if I care, Pete. Ooh. And, and look, at, he and, made replies too. P. Abraham like hit some replies to that tweet. I don't know if you could find it right now. And then, but like and then from yesterday. His, and so Mike Miner, Mike Miner like doesn't tweet. So so that was his last tweet until yesterday. So like he was like off Twitter, you know, didn't tweet anything. And then he <laughs> tweeted yesterday, but but he plays the game the right way. What you got, P? Ooh. <laughs> Another third player involved in this was Mike Clevenger to a lesser extent because he was kind of just piggybacking off of what Bauer was saying. But the Astros, like, hate, or, like, I guess more so the other way around. The guys on and the Lance team McCullers. That year, yeah. Hate, yeah, hate McCullers. I mean, Bauer has a reason because Bauer was accusing them of cheating, like, long before this came out. And it wasn't even the same form of cheating. For he was spin accusing rates. them of using a time like, Yeah, for spin rates. He, had, he didn't even, I don't even think he mentioned and, anything about sign stealing, but he was still taking a victory lap because they got in trouble for something. Right. And, and like in Trevor Bauer, like apparently went one inning went out and used like pine tar and like his spin rates went up by like 300 or 400 or something, something like that RPMs. And it was like, yeah. look, you know, how does every single pitcher who goes to the Astros have spin rates increase? So now I feel like right. I have to believe that potentially, right? If they're cheating in one aspect, why wouldn't, why should we believe that they were not cheating in another aspect? So how do Yankees fans feel now that they just got Garrett Cole? <laughs> They're taking this yeah. whole like um, whole, like victim thing because the Astros cheated on them. I mean, like, take the victory laps. Like, oh my God, the Astros cheated. Like, the worst thing that's ever happened in baseball history. And like, I'm so glad they're punished. And then they have, they're so happy they signed Garrett Cole, who <laughs> by Trevor Bauer's account yeah. was probably, I mean, by Bauer's account was cheating. <laughs> yeah, I think Cole is distanced himself from it in a way. First, he wasn't on the 2017 team, that's obviously. But then the fact that he showed up after Game 7 in the <laughs> Forest Corp hat, uh, yes, I think sort of shows you where his loyalties are ultimately. But yeah, I understand that perspective. But also, you know, he's he has plus-plus pitches galore. He doesn't need to cheat, I don't think. <laughs> True. Right, and, and yeah. even Garrett Cole, 90% of what he was last year, is still probably one of the best pitches in baseball. So. Yes. I don't think Yankees fans have to worry about, but you know, I'm sure he's happy he got out of there. My biggest, uh, the thing I'm most unhappy about with this whole, the whole thing is that Alex Cora is not a manager because he was the only manager that followed me on Twitter. Oh, right. those, are the, those are the real managers. important issues. Yeah. Can you yeah, invite him on the pod? I DM'd him a couple of times when, <laughs> after they won the World Series, we were going back and forth. But nah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Get him on the pod. I don't know how I feel yeah. About it. He still follows me though, so okay. I don't want to say, say anything rude. But also, Kevin Goldstein also follows me, and he was the dude that uh, like started this whole thing for the Astros. So right. I guess it's it unlucky for like oh, exactly right. like people that work in baseball to follow me. I don't know. Joey, that's not what you want. You want people to work in baseball to want to follow you. 
Yes. Right, exactly. Now it's like a bad luck. Like it's like a it's like a curse almost. Like that you're bound to cheat if you follow me on on Twitter and you work in baseball. Now. So any any other thoughts from either of you guys on this on this whole thing? Um, there's just a lot we, to yeah. handle. A lot to take everything. from. It. I do think <laughs> we, we hit everything. We got hours about this. Yeah, I mean it's honestly like for a while. Yeah, it was. It's kind of exhausting. Like I'm kind of. I, I, it's hard for me to say that I'm kind of like over it, but like, I don't know. It's just like so much fighting between, you know, different groups of baseball fans and like, you know, and the Astros got what they deserved. And I'm curious to see what Alex Cora will get. But I feel like we've been talking about this for months and, and mm-hmm. we have. And, um, you know, it's just like, it's, it's a lot. I'm ready. I'm ready personally to move on to the season. And hopefully someone else will win the ALS this year. Go A's. Moving on to Josh Donaldson signing with the Twins. So, so, so Josh Donaldson, you know, that's that's pretty big. Yeah. Not as big as sign stealing, but it's it's pretty big. He was pretty Their he signed, is so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. The, the, uh, their lineup is so good, but they need pitching. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think their pitching is even terrible. It's not good. Mm-hmm. It's, like, passable. It's, like, the A's have been – I mean, everyone says, like, going to each year, the A's, like, pitching is terrible, and then they always find a way to do it. I mean, I think the Twins are kind of in the same spot. Barrios yeah. and Odorizzi are both solid guys that – they're not, like, above average one and two guys, but, like, they're passable. Homer Bailey, after that, it kind of gets a little sketchy. Mm. But they're, they're, they're fine. They're, I still think they're the best team in the division. I think the Indians are second, and then the White Sox are close third. But I, I think, as constructed, the Twins lineup is going to win them a lot of games. Like they can afford to give up five runs a game, six runs a game, because their lineup is going to score six mm-hmm. or seven. Yeah. The other yeah, thing, like, yeah. The other thing ahead. too is that uh, the you know yes, the Twins starting pitching may be suspect, but they uh, managed a lot of last year with a, pretty much a three-headed monster in the bullpen. Um, and so that, that bullpen projects to be pretty good. Even if the starting pitching is lagging a little bit behind what you would want from a top team, like that bullpen has a lot of potential to be yeah. you know, tops in the AL. Right. Rich Hill's coming back. You can, you can survive. Yeah, you can survive in this league with good hitting and um, a good bullpen. You, you certainly can. It's not even just um, about hitting. They probably have the best lineup in baseball. I mean, top to bottom, they really don't have a weak spot in their, in their lineup. According to the yeah. – Roster resource fangrass projections. The seven, eight, nine guys are Luis Arias, who I believe led the league in batting average minimum a certain amount of plate appearances. He didn't play the full season, but he had like very high and he was a good hitter overall. He's a 125 WRC plus had 334 in 92 games. And then is listed as the eight hitter. Darren Willman just tweeted that he had like the second or the most no doubt home runs in baseball or something or the second i think actually he was third i think solaire and uh trout were ahead of him but he's their eight hitter and then byron really buxton, good year who, last year. byron buxton who still has all of the potential in the world 2.7 war in only 87 games last year hitting nine. that's just unfair mm. miguel no i i guess i didn't realize how good of a year he had last year he, he yeah. only got 439 plate appearances but he had 34 home runs as did everyone else in the league, but he had a 137 weighted runs created plus and was worth almost three war and about two thirds of a season. Mm-hmm. Just from a team construction standpoint, 
getting Donaldson at third base and then moving Sano to first base is such a huge gain for them because yes. when you looked at uh, Crone and Sano at the corners last year, and now you have uh, Josh Donaldson, who's legitimately great defensive uh, third baseman still, and then Sano over to first, that it's not just a great add just because Josh Donaldson's a great player. It's a fantastic fit as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But Bailey, I know you're a Braves fan. Mm-hmm. So you got one year of JD. H- how do you see, you know, your team replacing him at third base? Because mm. I thought all along that he would actually re-sign there. But is it Austin Riley time? You know, it, it's there's a very good chance it's Austin Riley time. It could also, you know, and they won the division in 2018 with Johan Camargo as their third baseman, uh, which which seems like an eternity ago, but it's not. He's, he struggled last year, but you never know because there's some guys that they just need consistent plate appearances, um, and he didn't get that. I, I, I am, he was worth 3.3 war in 2018, Camargo. Yes, so. yeah, he was good. And um, so I'm sort of eyeing, you know, a lot of Braves fans, they want to, um, they think, well, we're not getting Donaldson, so clearly we're in on Chris Bryant or Nolan Arenado, <laughs> and those still seem like long shots to me. But I do have uh, a player that could be available on the trade market I think could be a really good fit for the Braves should they go after him. Uh, he is a third baseman. He's younger than Josh Donaldson. He is cheaper than Josh Donaldson in terms of his AAV. Uh, he will not cost big prospects at all. He's still under contract for two to three more years. Uh, a little bit more about this player. He slashed 260, 339, 524 with 2.5 F4 uh, in the second half last season. Devin Fink, do you know who this player is? Kyle Seeger. It's Kyle Seeger. Uh, you know, obviously, I think he Kyle Seeger probably has like 10-5 rights or something like that. Um, it feels like he's been in Seattle forever. But if he wants to go to a contender and if Jerry needs to feels like he wants to dump that salary, I think it could be a good fit for the Braves. You know, yeah, I, I actually agree with you on that one. Um, he's not quite 10-5, so I don't think okay. he has full no trade. He has eight years of service. He's been with the Mariners uh, his entire career, so he does have the five there. But, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'm tying this into Jeremy's War League. I picked Kyle Seager in the third or the fourth. I think in the fourth yeah. round. I think I got a little in the third. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the one thing I will say that I probably should have said to myself, but, you know, you, you've got to love the second half splits. But, you know, there has been research somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but um, I, I've seen it discussed recently about how a player's slash line down the stretch is no more predictive of their um, their following season than their, their entire slash line is um, from the entirety of the season. Um, so if you that doesn't apply in every case. If you think mm-hmm. Kyle Seeger made legitimate improvements down the stretch, which there yeah. is evidence to suggest that he did, he might be closer to that 130 weighted runs created plus player, or maybe somewhere in the, in the middle of his full season 110 and that 127, mm-hmm. I think, in the second half. But yeah, I think he'd be a great addition um, for the Braves. And, and you're right, he's cheaper, he's younger, um, which is hard to think about because it feels like he's been around forever. Right. And uh, his stock may have, you know, seriously improved with a very strong second half performance. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but, you know, it, you, you make a good point about Camargo and, and and where this kind of all leads, you know, the Braves and the rest of the NL East. I, I feel like all the top teams of the NL East have glaring, glaring problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and which we say this every year, the NL East is full of four decent but flawed teams. It's hard to call the reigning champions flawed, but they did lose their best player. 
Um, so, you know, where do you, where do you guys think that's all going to kind of turn out? <laughs> I, so I, I think right now I'm still kind of eyeing the Phillies as possibly the team that takes the division at the moment. I just feel like moving from Kapler to Girardi is going to be kind of an interesting experiment in the value of a manager. I don't know how many wins that is, but it's, I, you know, it might be three to five, could even be more. They've added Zach Wheeler now, so they've addressed to some extent uh, the fact that, you know, the pitching behind Aaron Nola has not been good. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, Kingery at third base seems like a good fit. We'll see what Adam uh, Hazley does in center field. But, yeah, it's just you look at these teams and there's, I think the holes in terms of position players that there's just going to be relying on rookies and young players who, who we're not really sure about yet. If you look at the Braves, that might be third base. That could also be third base for the Nationals, you know, Clark Keeboom. Uh, I don't know how much they're counting on him, but it seems like without Rendon, they will be. And then Adam Hazley in center for the uh, uh, Phillies is going to be big. But yeah, I mean, it's wide open. Any of those four teams could win it. And uh, yeah, I think it'll it'll just kind of come down to, to luck, maybe. Maybe there's a, some breakout player that we can't foresee that is going right. to carry his team ultimately. Right. You know, a, a good a good tweet that I saw about this is um, kind of just breaking down rotation lineup and bullpen. You know, the Braves have a decent rotation. They have a, a relatively, like, shallow lineup outside of, you know, their, their three best players in, in Albies, Freeman, and, and Acuna, and they've got a very good bullpen. The Nationals obviously have a great rotation. Their lineup is much weaker now than it was a year ago, and their bullpen is, like, fine. The Phillies, they have, like, a decent rotation. You could say that maybe, you know, we, we, we're looking for the Vince Velasquez or the Nick, you know, Nick Pavetta breakouts last year, but maybe one of those comes to fruition this year, and they have three solid starters with upside. Sure. I'd say the Phillies have a pretty good lineup top to bottom. Um, you know, you could say it's not too deep there anyway. It, it depends on, you know, whether Reese Hoskins can rebound and, and what Andrew McCutcheon's 2020 looks like coming off mm-hmm. of the season-ending in- injury. But, you know, you, you like McCutcheon, Real Muto, Harper, Hoskins, Gregorius, Kangaroo, Hazley, and Segura. I mean, that, that sounds yeah. good. That's a good lineup. And then the Mets, they've got a great rotation, decent lineup, and then, you know, their bullpen – could be among the best bullpens in the league, but it just remains a huge question mark. So, you know, when you look at the four contenders, they all have issues, but they all have places of strength too. So it should be another interesting division. And with Donaldson leaving it, it makes it even more interesting in my opinion. So, yeah. uh, Jeremy, what, Jeremy, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the analyst is kind of like the division with four second place teams. Like <laughs> all of these teams would be like a very like typical – like runner up to their division. I think obviously one of these teams will probably end up winning like 95 games just from someone breaking out or just sheer like randomness and winning and losing games. I think I, I like the Braves the most, but not by uh, a significant amount. I think Acuna, Albies, and Freeman is a great top three to build around. And they just need some of their role players like like uh, Darno and uh, Dansby Swanson to like just show that they can be like solid middle of the order, like players that they can rely on if they if they can't do that then they have issues but that's kind of how it is for for every other team like you were saying i do like the marlins no i'm just kidding the marlins are not good at all (laughs) can rule them out right now although i do think that their future is very promising i think that eventually they're an interesting team to watch this year i know no one really cares but they did pick up uh, vr and Corey dickerson so and i think aguilar too right that'll be Yeah, that'll be a team. 
uh, you know, going by by fan graphs, fan graphs war and converting it to wins. They have those four teams separated by seven wins. So, you know, mm-hmm. it'll it'll come down. It'll come down Definitely to the end. within the margin of error for a full season's worth of actually playing the games. For we'll every I mean, one of those teams, not, yeah, yeah. Um, so so uh, it'll be, be interesting. Division to watch, but mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of other divisions this year that have been like the Annalise has been in the past. There yeah, are there, right. way, there are way more teams trying to win right now than mm-hmm. there were even last year, and especially yeah, like I think, three years wow. ago. Wow, it's go- I'm thinking about like all the divisions, and like it's I mean, it's crazy. Who isn't, who isn't a serious contender to make the playoffs right now? The Orioles. The Blue the Jays, but the Blue Jays have the Blue Jays just added Hyunjin Ryu, obviously. Then and they are have a very promising future. They're obviously mm-hmm. like trying to win. They're not they're not there yet, but they're definitely trying. They're not in the tank phase anymore. Right. The Royals and Tigers are the only two teams in the AL Central that Wait, I think. I think you could make the argument that there's three plus teams in every division trying to win. We talked yeah. about the NL East, right? The NL Central, you've got the Reds who are definitely trying to win. The Cardinals, they were in. They were four wins away from being in the World Series last year. And they're right. about to trade for Nolan Arenado, too. And, and, I, and I guess the Cubs <laughs> are trying to win, question mark, maybe? Who like, really knows? Yeah, the Cubs, the Cubs are like, oh, look, this has worked for us in the past, so we need to change absolutely nothing about this going forward. But, no. I mean, they're, they're not um, trying but, to win, but they're just kind of – they will they will still be able to contend. And, like, and, and same with like, the Brewers. Like, you know. And right. then in the – the NL West, I think, is probably – does not have three teams trying to really trying to compete. They do. I think the Padres, the Padres, Diamondbacks, and Dodgers. Yeah, no, I see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Diamondbacks and, the, and Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, I mean, who saw that coming? And then the Padres right. have Machado and Tatis. Like they signed Machado and, for and, a lot of money because they wanted to win baseball games. Right. And they just traded for Tommy right. Pham. Right. Okay. So so there's your three teams there. You know, and the AL East, you've got your Yankees. I, I don't even know. Like, are the Red Sox considered trying to win? Because as long as they have Mookie Betts on their team, are we trying? I think we could define like not tanking as they're either trying to win or they look good in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think the Red Sox are one of those teams that they look good right now. They haven't traded anyone yet. They haven't traded Betts yet, at least. So I mean, right. as of right now, they're kind of like in the same spot as the Indians are. They're like they've said right. that they want don't want to really try, but. As of right now, their roster will still win to make the playoffs. Right, and and, and the like Rays. The Rays and so then you've got the there. Rays, and then in the AL Central, you've got your Twins, Indians, White Sox, and then in the AL West, you have the Astros, yes. A's, and Angels. So yeah, I mean, Even there the you Rays, go. There's three teams. Rangers just added Corey Kluber. <laughs> right, I think the Rangers right. are nearly where the other three are, but they're definitely not tanking. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. great sign for baseball. There are so many competitive teams. Like these. There are no, there are, I think there are way fewer teams this year that are like a free win. I mean, there's no free win in baseball. The Orioles are still going to win one out of every three or four games and such like that. But there are very few like, like teams on the schedule that you're like looking ahead of them to the next team because there are so many teams that are like around the 500 level. And those are teams that will give you a challenge for sure. So, Bailey, what do you think about all this contention? Well, yeah. Well, I think what's interesting too is that even these, bottom dweller teams like the Orioles like the Marlins still uh play a big role in deciding who will win the division like I feel like last couple years in the NL East whoever wins it has just been whoever's been able to beat up on the Marlins the most uh and not and not drop you know I feel like the Phillies were like maybe around 500 versus the Marlins next year versus the Braves who just owned them and then uh you know similar thing could happen in the AL East with the Orioles 
Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely a good sign for baseball. I don't know if it's, um, you know, you've seen some some top teams sort of falter a little bit, like the super teams. The Red Sox still have the guts of a team that won 108 games two years ago, but they're they're seemingly not the same team. And then the Indians have obviously gotten worse, and teams are saying, well, you know, why not us? Why why you know we have this great young player and then if we add this great veteran all of a sudden if we get a little bit lucky we're competing for a wild card spot and there's a lot of teams that had that potential uh in the past but i think teams are maybe now waking up to the idea that the the baseball establishment the established great teams uh they aren't as in as secure a position as maybe we thought they were a couple of years ago yeah and it's a good point that you make about the the worst teams um, playing an, an impact and having to beat those teams because the Phillies, you're right, they went nine and ten against the Marlins last year, go. whereas the Braves went fifteen and four. Um, that wouldn't have made up the entire difference. They, mm-hmm. The Braves finished sixteen games ahead of the Phillies, but that's six games right there right. Um, that you know the the Braves were able to pick up on the Phillies just from beating up on the Marlins more effectively than they were. Sure, I do. I do have a question for you guys. Are we looking over the Pirates? I think the Pirates are kind of like the laughing stock of the division, especially with um, Felipe Vasquez getting around. Not like a laughing matter, obviously, but they're really kind of got, they maybe like got screwed at the end of the year. They lost a ton of games. They're really looking like a decent team at all, but their lineup, definitely not bad. Brian Reynolds, Josh Bell, Starling Marte, Gregory Polanco, Adam Frazier. Those are a bunch of solid bats, and their rotation has Chris Archer, Joe Musgrove, mm. Trevor Williams, a bunch of like guys that like are not Mitch Keller. Like they're good, Mitch Keller. I, I don't know if Tyon's supposed to come back next year. Him too, if he come back. I think Tyon I mean, got they're DJ. not terrible. Yeah, right. is he out for the whole year? I think so. Okay, um, not Tyon. By Fangraphs like, War, seventy-eight wins for the Pirates, which that's you know, not that's I not too bad. For like sixty-five, I, I don't think they're that bad. Like their lineup. I mean, unless, until they trade Marte, which signs have shown that they probably are going to trade Marte, but they have a a lineup that is not terrible. Like, right. <laughs> they're not, like, Royals bad. They're not Tigers bad or Orioles bad. They have, like, right. they're the probably the best worst team in the division, right? Uh, probably. Maybe the NLS, depending on who you can see, yeah. the worst team in the NLS. But they're I, not a team that, like, for, for the fifth best team in the division, they're not, like, an easy, not necessarily, like, an easy win. But, I mean, yeah. Chris Archer can always be good, we say, every year, and then he's not good. Mm-hmm. But he could do it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a good point there, and I think it, you know this is kind of all of the off of the segue of like Donaldson leaving the NL East. What does that mean for the rest of the league? And I do think that has you know kind of spoken to a true a more uh, a larger storyline in the fact that the league is just seems to be more competitive going into mm. this year. I, I love it. I think it's their good when we I mean, Jeremy, you're you're kind of coming in and out a lot. Like two bad teams play against each other. Oh, okay. Then you can keep talking. <laughs> no, it's all right. Yeah, you should uh, just say so, what you said at the okay. beginning. Oh, okay. So I was gonna say that they're gonna be way more watchable baseball games this year than they were last year. I, I think, in my opinion, every baseball game is a watchable game. But to most, you're not gonna want to watch the Orioles play against like the Mariners or something, but there are much fewer teams that are going to be like there more. There'll be way more interesting baseball games. And especially down the stretch, I think come playoff, like come playoff races, there'll be so many more games that are going to be important at the end of the year. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that one. Um, does anyone have any remaining thoughts on, on JD going to the twins? I think he's the last big free agent really left. Um, I am blanking if there's anyone else. It depends if you would call Azuna big. I think I would just cause I feel like he has some real potential still, but, uh, yeah, he would, Ozuna would be the biggest name left. Uh, with and, the and Castellanos is still out there and so is Puig for whatever reason the That's outfield true. market yeah. is uh, <laughs> we haven't really heard much on really any of those guys Yeah, the big talk right now is on, on trades there are so many I don't think there's ever been a time in, at least in my memory that there have been more superstars like casually on the trade block especially from teams that are like currently good than like right now like usually this happens maybe like on their, on their last year of a deal before, like, like during the all-star break or something before the trade deadline. But like during yeah, this right. off season, like Bryant and Betts and just all of those guys that are like, for some reason are like, like teams are trying to trade them. There are not too. They just signed into a huge extension. And now it seems, I mean, people are in, in Lindor too, but they've been saying that that's more imminent than Lindor or Bryant or Betts is, which is really bizarre to have mm-hmm. all four of those, four of the best players in baseball. Four top 50 players for sure. Uh, top 50 probably doesn't even do them justice, but it's really interesting that with all these guys signing, there are still teams that need players to fill those positions. Right. And, and I wonder how much of it, though, is really talk and how much is legit. Like, I, I don't really know. You know, so it seems to be legitimate. What is the, what is the over-under for guys traded by, let's say, like May 1st out of, like, Bryant, Arenado, Betts, and Lindor? I mean, how? What's your guys? Yeah, I would go. I would go one. Yeah, I would go conservative. I, and say the over under is point five. <laughs> that's what I would say as well. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Point five. I, I think you could even say one and a half. Sure. But I think that one is more likely. But I also think two is a lot less likely than one or zero. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the yeah. question is, is how many teams are willing to empty the farm and take on the money or, you know, some combination of the two. And, I mean, it's – I think the offseason is all about teams entertaining wilder trade ideas because they have the time and energy to be able to do it more so than during the regular season. Um, but, like, I, I, I just don't necessarily know how likely a trade of any of the individual four players is. I'll send out a tweet right now. I'll like have those four players. I'll have zero, one, two, and then three to four as the poll options. And I'll that, that's gonna be our poll and from this podcast. I'll tweet sometimes it out right do a poll now too because I always forget how many. You're gonna tweet it on the pod. Yes, I'm live tweeting yeah. right now. This is a real like peel behind the curtain, see the master at work right now. Yes, right. you're the I'm you're the master typing. Yes. Um, are you Alex Core is going to see this. So much pressure so, right now. Yeah, Alex Core will see this. So make sure you spell everything right. How many right. are, are you going to? Chris Bryant, Mookie Betts, and Noel. And who is the last one? Uh, are you going to say that this is the podcast poll? Live tweet from the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we live tweet from the next podcast. I would say I was sitting by May first. I don't know why I said May first, but I feel like that's a good deadline because you could still see him get traded like the first month. Yeah. Maybe hashtag live tweet from the podcast from the I retweeted podcast. on the podcast account. Yeah. <laughs> okay, live. This retweet. is this is really the, this is the peak podcast. I think like this is as like this is, we're we're getting to see Jeremy Pike's tweet in action. Yeah, 
Um, are those the four guys? Are there any more guys, like superstars, that have been talked about that I'm forgetting? Or are those just the four? Uh, I think those are the four. I, okay. uh, I think I read an article about which of those four players has the most trade value. Hmm. And is it Lindsay or four players? Yeah, they they mentioned those four. I didn't. Re- I haven't read it. Yeah, would have the most value. He didn't have that. Oh, that's true. Out, but for some yeah. reason, the Rockies gave him gave it to him without him even asking for it. The order that's leading in the poll is Lindor, Bryant, Betts, Arenado. Say that again. The order that um, that the people believe uh, by present trade value, like Fangraphs readers, there have been doesn't say how many votes there have been, but the order that the people have seemingly agreed upon is Lindor, Bryant, Betts, Arenado. Yeah. It's so hard because Brian, we don't even know. The- <laughs> like Brian, yeah. you don't even know how much service time he has left until free agency. So, yeah, although I right. still think That's I crazy. think he's going to lose that grievance, but if he does, if he wins it, then you know it's completely changed. Yeah, right. it would be pretty funny. I think uh, it would be pretty funny if the Braves trade for Brian. They'll replace a, a Cubs drafted third baseman. I guess he was drafted as a catcher with a Cubs drafted third baseman because Donaldson was actually drafted by the Cubs back in the day. As a catcher, mm-hmm. he played uh, a few innings at catcher, like maybe a couple games with the A's, like in his very early career. He caught in oh, the yeah. majors. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Let's see, what's the poll at right now? We're at about... seventy-one in a third innings at catcher. Okay, so we got two hundred sixty-three votes. We're at twenty-nine percent for zero, forty-one percent for one, twenty-eight percent for two, and then two percent for three or four. So it's pretty. It's pretty like a, it's like almost like a bell curve. Not really a bell curve because there's only three options that have really been chosen. But the mean and the median have both been one, with about equal people saying two and zero. So if you could send over under at a number that is like not a decimal, the over under would be one. But that would be a yes. dumb over under to set because it would most likely push. <laughs> right. But right. yes. So it seems like the consensus is between zero and two, most likely one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of buy that, um, which is kind of why I think I would, yeah, yeah, no, I I buy that. Um, so you know, in our in our last, I don't know how long you guys want this to go, but in our last like five to seven minutes, you know, I think I'm going to ask you, Bailey, the question that everyone has been waiting for: Ooh, What okay. is your one? Yeah, I just came up with it right now, so I've been waiting for it for all 30 seconds. Yeah. What is one bold take that you have for the 2020 MLB season? Ooh, I like this. Um, hmm, last time, um, I was I, the problem is, depending on what kind of circles of baseball fans you're in, you know, what constitutes a bold take and what doesn't. So um, I'll say, I'll give my bold take is that Bryce Harper will be an MVP candidate next year. Does that count as bold? I don't know, but I'll I'll, I'll throw that. I one think out there. I think that's fair. I, I think yeah. that's a I think really bold. bold take. I think if you define bold as like less than like twenty percent chance of happening, yeah. In like the public opinion, I would say that that's probably borderline bold. So, but yeah, okay, that's totally, totally fair. I mean, it's totally possible too. I mean, I, I think like his the, the frustrating thing about Bryce Harper is that he has. A ceiling of like nine plus war, but he's only hit that once, which makes everyone mm-hmm. question like, is he really just a five war? Or is he just really a four and a half? 
to five war player, which is still a great player, but like, yeah. where is that 197 win runs created plus ever again? Is it ever going to come back? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone does. Jerry, thoughts? All right. Here we go. So I don't actually know if this is bold or if I, I just came up with this on the spot. I don't even know if I actually agree with it, but I think this is probably the first year in a considerable amount of time where I would take the field over Mike Trout winning MVP. I think Trout is definitely Ooh. the most likely player in the American League, but there is just so much talent right now in the American League that I think there's a less than 50% chance, if I had to guess right now, that Trout wins MVP. I like it. I don't know if I actually agree with it yet. I think I'm like a little like both ways because mm. like he's Mike Trout, and if he plays a full season, he's very likely to win. But <laughs> I mean, you've got guys like Bregman and Betts and Judge and just guys mm. like Bogarts and Davers and Springer and Chapman who could all go off very mm-hmm. easily and compete. I mean, they don't have – only one of them needs to have, like, a breakout year. And that seems to happen once every year with one different player. They're always going right. to be a breakout. And if one of those guys who's already established as, like, a consistent five- to six-score guy breaks out, like, Mike Trout has some serious competition. I mean, I would have actually voted for Bregman over Trout this year. I think it was very close, and I'm, I don't have a problem with Trout winning. I'm very happy that he did because I, I love Mike Trout. But, I mean, this was a this was a, uh, the Alex Bregman breakout year for sure. He had eight and a half at uh, four, and I think a Bregman could do it again if he didn't benefit that much from science ceiling. Or other guys in the in the league could very well, like Marcus Semyon did it this year. Yeah. third in MVP voting. Who's going to be this year's Marcus Semyon? If it's a guy that was already good, like a Matt Chapman or like a Xander Bogarts or like an Aaron Judge. I think Aaron, I love Aaron Judge as a, as a player. I think he sure. has as much upside as anyone else in baseball. I got him in the first round in, my, in the World League. Thank God. Because I really think he could easily be a, mm-hmm. like a 400 on base, 650 slugging guy. And I would not be surprised if he did that. Plus, he's a gold glove caliber right fielder. He hasn't actually won it yet. But yeah. if he would have played a full season last year, I think he would have actually won it over bets. But I am very excited to see this year's MVP race. And I do, I do hope that Trout wins it. No. It's, it's, you mentioned some of these, this idea that, you know, five you know guys who are typically five win players could break out and put up you know an eight win season or even a nine win season or something crazy like that and to me that that almost seems like that could be francisco lindor you know yes if he's in the if he's in the american league for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point <laughs> yeah i mean you got another guy who did it like i mean like where did Keto Marte come from obviously not in the american league but mm-hmm. i mean DJ LeMahieu was by Yankees fans an MVP candidate this year. I mean, there are going to be guys that are going to have legitimate cases, I think, against Trout this year. Not because Trout's getting any worse, just because all these guys are, are getting really good. I mean, like their peak at like in their age. Trout hasn't been a 10 war player since 2013 by fan graphs. I think baseball reference likes him a little bit more. But if, if, Trout, if Trout hits 10 war, he wins it for sure. Yeah. But if he doesn't, there are going to be guys that are close to him, I think. Yeah. I have two bold takes. Let's hear them. One about a specific player, and which may not be that bold, and one about a specific team. First one is Yohan Moncada is worth fewer than three and a half F4 next year. Okay. And I, I, the I second one, and this, I don't know if that's super bold, but a lot of people think he's like a superstar, and I am just not sold. Um, and my second bold take is that the Angels win the AL West. 
Ooh, okay. Now that is bold. That is bold. Actually, third one is that the Reds win the NL Central. So I, I, everything's yeah, bold. I can. Oh, I, I think yeah. the Reds are. Very I'm picking the Reds. <laughs> yeah. Central. I'd probably put them in second place right now, but they definitely are in. As long as the Cardinals don't trade for Arenado, they're definitely like within the margin of error. Their guys having good seasons and getting there. I mean, if Shogo Akiyama is like really good, like that's right. the difference right there between the Cardinals right. and Reds. I just so, really I mean, I guess that's that's three bold predictions. I but agree with you on Moncada. I think that he had really one really great year, and he definitely was a top five third baseman last year. The question was, will he be next year? And until I see last year happen again for him, I would lean on the side of no, just because he had very extraordinary batted ball fortunes. I mean, his dad was like, I think like the number two all time in the two thousands at four oh six, and that just doesn't. He hits the ball hard. And he's, he's quite speedy, not like a Billy Hamilton, but no one Babbitt's 400. Yeah. And so if he, even if he keeps up the power, you're going to still see, I think his average is going to drop below 300, which still doesn't really mean anything. And also doesn't mean you can't be a great player, but he's going to lose a little bit. He strikes out, his strikeout and walk profile is not ideal for a superstar. You can, you can definitely live with it, but uh, he's one of those. Another guy on the White Sox, while we're talking about the White Sox, is Luis Robert, who I find very interesting because he will probably play the full season in uh, Chicago. He right. really reminds me of a guy like Javier Baez, which is really ironic because mm-hmm. like Javier Baez is not on the White Sox, he's on the Cubs. And like all the White Sox fans love to like, like make fun of Javier Baez because for like he like swings it out, like strikes out a lot, like doesn't walk at all, but like he swings for the fences. Luis Robert, I could totally see having a Javier Baez like stat line next year. He's yeah. like a flashy, like good fielder at like a valuable position, pretty fast, has pop, but like he's gonna strike out, he's not gonna walk. He's like that guy, I think. And it's gonna be really funny because the White Sox fans and Cubs fans who like the Cubs fans who try and say Javier Baez is a superstar are gonna have to admit that Luis Robert is too. Because they're like the same player, in my opinion. It could yeah. it could work out that way that he's not, but I could totally see Luis Robert becoming like a Javier bias for the White Sox. Mm. That's that's a good that's a good one. Yeah, one thing about Luis Robert is that, like you said, I think the bias comp is very strong. But the thing about Bias was that he didn't, you know, immediately get up into the majors and figure things out. So I like Luis Robert long term. I think it was smarter for the White Sox to get that contract in. But as far as like twenty twenty. I don't really have that high expectations for him. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think, he, you know, it's going to it's gonna take him some time. And it, just like Javi Baez had to figure out how to make it work at the major league level with his level of aggression, I think that same thing's going to happen to Elise Robert. It'll be, yeah. it'll be fun to watch on the, on the south side, though. They're, they're very, oh, they will be fun. I think their biggest, their biggest move was Grandal. I mean, that was such a big... Oh, yeah. Going from oh, yeah, that was, to that was Grandal, huge. framing-wise, it's like six wins alone, just from framing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. even if he yeah. doesn't... I mean, yeah, I think he could... If Robert doesn't hit, I think that Grandal could be their leadoff hitter if they wanted to. Yeah. I mean, he led off for the, the Brewers quite a bit. Yeah. Their lineup is just so slow, though. It's going to be really weird because they have him and Carnacion and Abreu like they're probably gonna be batting back to back to back. They're gonna grind into so many double plays. Not that bad thing because they're gonna have a lot of guys on base, but just the sheer amount of like walks they're gonna take and the the slow guys they have, it's just gonna be. I don't know. There's a runner on first base <laughs> and they hit a ground ball. Yeah, uh, they're they're gonna be a very fun team. Anyway, I think it's time to uh, wrap things up a little bit. Um, yeah. So. 
I just want to thank you, Bailey, from Foolish Baseball. Check out his YouTube channel. It is fantastic. He's got his big things Twitter in store. Is very funny too. At yeah, Jeremy Foolish calls him the funniest. No. Yeah, the funniest baseball Twitter follower. Oh, so. Foolish BB. Actually, yes. Not at Foolish Baseball. Was Foolish Baseball taken? It actually was. It's like a Japanese person that has that name. Uh, that hasn't tweeted in three years, but they got it first. Hats so off. don't follow at Foolish Baseball. Or uh, maybe do. At Foolish. And, and unless you want to see the comeback from at Foolish Baseball. I haven't tweeted yeah. since October of 2018. I'm going to translate this tweet real quick from his Android. Oh, gosh. Uh, he was talking about uh, Japanese baseball, predicting yeah. some. He had uh, Kanu at 20 wins and Taguchi at 13 wins. So I don't wow. know if that was a prediction or uh yeah. But maybe but maybe season. Taguchi had like better stats but can had better run support. It's tough to say, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know with yeah. I mean maybe he's using maybe he's using war. I don't even know. Maybe he's not <laughs> worth that money. Yeah. It's just, it's just yeah. so commonly assumed that when you mention wins, you're talking about a value stat rather than pitcher wins. That's true, yeah. 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 And because as we know, pitcher wins personal... as they say, uh, are, are foolish. No, but... at foolish BB is definitely my favorite Twitter account. So many funny posts, also very informative. He posts the baseball stats once in a while, and they're all better than the average stat that I post. He only posts the really good ones. And yeah. <laughs> a lot of funny tweets, too. I will, I will say that. Great baseball the, memes. He's, like, he's the John Boys of baseball Twitter. I think that's a very wow. good account. That is oh, yeah, I agree. I agree with that one. I yeah. mean, and your I, YouTube is kind of similar, too. I mean, obviously, you can never match boys sorry but um very i your 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 whole thing kind of reminds me of john boys you just need more like more shit posts i think a few more yeah if that's even possible but I, the thing i respect most about john is people think the youtube comparison is there but i haven't really watched that many of his videos i've watched the the ones i've watched i've enjoyed but uh but his twitter game is ultimately what i respect the most about what he does you and... have to watch the chart parties they're so funny like the like the retro john boys not like his current like whatever he's doing for SBN yeah. now but some of his old videos especially the what are they called um they're not pretty the good chart party the pretty goods yeah yeah the whole series is just, just fantastic maybe we'll he's like the dream podcast guest i don't even think he follows me though so mm -hmm. john if you're listening to this podcast for some reason Give us a call. I made it all the way here. We we would get both of you guys on at the same yeah. time. Yeah, we'll get if we'll do the John. Agreed. Yeah, we'll do the John Boyce and Alex Cora mega episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I and Cora, you guys, I asked Cora like after the World Series, like it was in the off season. We had gone back and forth a couple of times, and then I asked him if he wanted to come into my sports analytics club or like Skype in, and he didn't respond. And that was oh, the last wow. time I ever messaged Alex Cora on Twitter. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Um. But yeah, so for sure, follow uh, Bailey at FoolishBB and subscribe to his YouTube channel because that's what you know you hear at the end of every YouTube video and yeah. like the comment, end of like and comment, yeah, like comment, subscribe. So do all those things on all of his videos. And if you want to do something similar for this podcast, you can follow the podcast at Framing the Convo. We're also on Spotify. You can follow us there, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else. Logo. With a very slick new logo. And you can follow us wherever else you get your podcasts. We're on Anchor. Oh, yeah. You can, we're everywhere, you know. Taylor yes, will be back for. next episode. This is just a, he couldn't, he was not available to be on this one. So we yeah, replaced him. We, we, we miss him dearly, but, though, but, as but he'll be back. We want uh, Bailey to stay on the podcast. 
David Taylor is still a permanent uh, co-host on the podcast. Yeah, we Taylor and I had a home run derby for the spot, and I just lost. I just lost by a little bit, but he will retain his spot. <laughs> it was yeah, it was a really good. It was it was a really fun thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so thank you for coming on, yeah. Bailey. Yeah, thank you so much, Bailey. And for all of you who listen to this, thank you as well for listening. I'm Devin Fink. You can follow me on Twitter at Devin Fink. You can follow Jeremy on Twitter at NLB Random Stats. Bailey at FoolishBB. And on YouTube, subscribe, listen to the podcast. And we'll see you at some point soon.